0: Visit No One Likes Us clothing for all your Millwall clabber. www.noonelikesus.co.uk.
2: Hi, I'm Gary Rowett, and you're listening to the world famous Acton Millwall.
3: Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to a post-Birmingham Neil Neil edition of Achtung Mill. Joining me from his sickbed, it's good to have him back,
4: Mr Neil Fisler. How are you, Neil? Mate, I'm back and ready to deal in reality because you were pretty detached from reality when I joined that uh, spaces thing last week. Christ almighty, talking about spending millions and Xeon Fleming being potentially a Millwall legend and uh, this, that, and the other. Christ almighty. Yeah, no, well, I'm back to uh, to give everybody a dose of reality and to tell them the way it is. He's got the flu
3: and he's got the hump, listeners. You can tell. You can tell. Go on, yeah. We well, I'm bored.
4: I'm bored. I just don't do illness very well, and I've just done nothing for 10 days rather than just really lay in bed and watch bloody tv and uh it was absolutely no good for your brain whatsoever
3: uh, there'll be listeners all around the world saying miserable so i will get him i put him on my podcast there we are um we speak in the aftermath of a nil nil draw last night um we were joking off air listeners that it'd be hard to get much out of that game last night for a... it's not good for a podcast i mean we've had two fixtures in succession nil we've with virtually incident free from from a not from just from a mill wall point of view apart from the goal at huddersfield has been incident free pretty much for what 180 minutes now but it was it was a tough watch um last night and i'm torn i'm gonna i'm gonna lay my cards on the table i'm torn between that being um a good result and a bad performance or was it Was it a bad performance but a good result? I don't know. Um, I mean, we we are still placed quite nicely in the table. It's a very mediocre division, in my opinion. And Neil, you know, you and I just mentioned there, joshing about Premier League runs and all the rest of it. I don't, as poor as it was to watch last night, I don't think that we are any worse than every other contender for the Premier League run at the moment. So I don't see any. I didn't see anything decisive that said we have no chance at all last night. We remain a a team that struggles for goals. How did you see last night's game?
4: Mate, I'm pretty much the same as you, really. You go up there and they're a team in and around where we are. They've just ripped QPR apart at home. A team that isn't the worst in the league. So we go up there. We don't create very much. Uh, Yeah, but I know we'll come on to it so we won't spoil it too much. Uh, We don't create an awful lot. So really, is it a bad point to go up there? I think if we hadn't have lost at Huddersfield, and I can't really comment too much on Huddersfield because I was still not very well and I fell asleep at halftime and didn't (laughs) wake (laughs) up. So, so I saw the first half when we were absolutely abject and uh awful. and then I missed the second half, so I can't really on it. There's
3: but, an image image for the world to view. Neil Neil fell asleep with the Hathersfield game flickering on his face <laughs> nothing very much happened up there. Um
4: yeah, I mean, I mean it, it, it it it's it's a strange one. It it's a... It's should you really be grateful for the points? Yeah, because they are a counter-attacking team. They do look to hit people on the counter. Um, we just refuse to leave ourselves open. Yeah, don't we? So yeah, pr- pretty
3: much. I mean, I, I watched because um, Birmingham beat QPR, and that was on Sky. Nil, and they, were, they looked pretty lively. They did a good job on QPR. I think it was two nil. I think and then they won it. And I was expecting us to be really up against it last night. So I'm 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 really going to try for listeners around the world. Anyone who watched it last night probably screaming at their speakers right now. I'm going to try and lay my hands on on the positives because I think the the fact is, I mean, we had a few changes going into the game last night. We had um, the return of Murray Wallace, which probably helped on the, uh, the defensive coordination. Um Cresswell starting Pace of Hushins and Bennett was starting up front and Vogel Samura as, as a kind of a central um striker with, with Honeyman in midfield is one of the other changes. Um, so we had a few few um you know fiddles about with, with the um the starting eleven after that very very poor showing at, at Huddersfield which I watched and we just lacked um we really lacked spirit up there Neil. I think that was the thing that I did see last night. And I didn't see at uh, the John Smith Stadium was was um, togetherness spirit and, and organisation. We saw that in, in in abundance last night, and I think that's my main thing that I wanted to say. That was that was positive out of last night because it was a much much better performance from Saturday afternoon.
4: Yeah, we had the Cray twins back in midfield, didn't we? <laughs> uh, <you> twins, Billy and Oh yeah. They really, yeah. You don't get a lot of change out of those two, do you? In the centre of midfield, no, you
3: don't. No, you don't. I think not
4: and I think it's been a key to the way that we've improved. Actually, the way that those two. Yeah, but they're running the midfield, aren't they? They are the Cray twins in there, aren't they, or the Richardson's, depending upon what. Richardson's probably better analogy, but no, I
3: I think Billy Mitchell. We've mentioned him a few times. Much improved player. I mean, he really is coming on
4: strong now. Yeah, um, absolutely. All season, he's quite possibly our player of the year so far. I, I don't, I don't think you could could argue. With that, uh, yeah, well, you probably could. <laughs> put argue in the phone box down at the den, isn't there? But uh... there's always someone. No, he's, I, I agree.
3: I think he's on course for that. He's certainly maturing fast. He's he, he, he's he's now. It takes a bit of um, maturity, stature, whatever way you want to put it. You just need to become uh, a leader in midfield, and I think he's headed in that direction. He's certainly not scared to. Um, talk in midfield he's you know we, we keep crying out for leadership on the field and and um he might be more of a set by example you know by what he does than, than maybe verbally but he's certainly acquiring both for what I could see of it last night and, and Savile it's really great to see him back now. for that reason we just look much much stronger in in the tackle in midfield um and you know I'm just looking at my notes there wasn't much to talk about in that in that first half listeners there really wasn't I've got My notes normally occupy quite a bit of space when I'm watching it and writing down incidents and moments and faults, and it was like loads of nothing, and maybe a couple of early moments of brightness, there was a Fleming kind of crossing from the right very early on, and couple of other moments um the highlight package i don't know if you've seen it on youtube Neil, but i mean that that's like a there's a dearth of something they're calling chances and incidents so, <laughs> are shots miles over the bar and <laughs> shots easily collected And there's, there's nothing really nothing in that first half but i'll keep coming back to the point i think gary Rowett made this in his post match interviews that birmingham came off of a pretty good um winning winning run at home so we've gone to a team that were were Seen as a bright, you know, bright prospects of going places, and we've kept them, kept them dead quiet. I know it's not much to report at nil nil at half time, but I think that probably is is a tribute to the organisation of the side last night.
4: Yeah, and I tell you what, didn't help last night was the constant blowing of the whistle by the referee. Um, he, he he was almost afraid to let a game of football break out. He couldn't <sighs> go yeah but he couldn't go a minute or ninety seconds without blowing his whistle for something or other, and there was just no flow, there was no patterns of the game. You weren't able to get into it because as soon as somebody bumped somebody and I'm thinking of the Manchester United Loney Hannibal. Yeah. Who I think we were linked with in the summer. But thank God we didn't sign him. I didn't on think la- much of him, Neil. Did
3: you? I, th- I thought he looked very.
4: I thought he was awful, to be quite frank. Yeah. And another lad, and they chugged. We we muscled guy. him.
3: He got injured, didn't he? And um, he, when he he was just starting yep. to look bright, and I think he got clipped on a run through. Um, I don't mean intentionally, but he got muscled and he got well injured. Um, which was probably for the best from our point of view. It took another flair player out, but no Hannibal. I thought surface and no, no, no substance for me. I didn't see anything out of him last night that made me want to believe he's going to go places.
4: No, it, it, it was just it was just one of those games that the whistle went every minute or two, and there was just no flow to it. And I, I think referees they can help games. If a game's poor, a referee can help a game by playing the advantage and just not getting involved, but he but I think he's a Premier League referee, isn't he? Uh, so re- I know on the commentary they said that it was the third or fourth time that he'd refereed them this season. That can't be healthy, can he? Yeah, it's like no, it no, yeah, it's no. like Sunday morning, where yeah, where the league can't appoint uh, a referee, so the home side provides one. It's a bit, it's a bit like that. that I uh, he was
3: he was very poor. He wanted he's one of these refs that wanted to be a star of the show. Everything had to come back to him. I think um, I was watching the uh, Max and um, uh, Carl uh, show. You know the com- the commentary on the what's it called Mill TV. Um, And they made the point that um, the referee was kind of, everything was kind of circling back to him. He was, and it shouldn't be about a referee, Neil. The game should flow. Um, He he just wanted to blow his whistle. It it really broke up play. It made a very, very tough watch. Um, I found the second half better. I mean, we're not talking about very high bar here, listeners. The second half was better. There was more. um, I mean, we we created more in the second half. I mean, my eye falls upon that massive, massive breakout of defence uh, for Tyler Bury in the seventy-fifth minute. I think it was, um, where you know the, the online um, crowd are all saying he should have passed inside to to Vogel Summer. I'm not sure it was such an easy thing to do. When I watched it again, Neil, on the on the YouTube replays this morning, at the ball inside, he was uh, Tyler was was on a break forward and the goalkeeper spread himself quite well in fairness to him. I think most strikers would have had a go there. Um, The goalkeeper did well. I thought whether he should have, could have, should have possible to pass inside. I don't know. Doesn't look so easy to me. What did you make of that moment?
4: Uh, 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 I'm part of the the online crowd.
3: You're part of the the online crowd. Here they are. They're here. He should have passed inside for you in your view.
4: I think he should have rolled it across. Yeah. And I think that vocal slammer would have had an open goal. He but would have got back? You never know. It, well, it's a strange one. You can't blame Tyler for wanting to... Well, he wanted the glory, really, didn't he? And
3: He wanted to score a goal. That's a good thing.
4: Yeah, um, you you yeah. can't blame him. He's come on. He's created the chance from nothing himself. Uh, There's nobody else in our side that could have got into that position because I think it was the sheer raw pace that took him that far. But I don't know. I'm going to stand by that I think he should have rolled the ball in. He should have put the ball across. Okay, the keeper came out. The keeper made himself big. Keeper block, yeah, but yeah. yeah, but did but should you have the awareness? Uh, it, was a,
3: it was a massive moment. It was a massive. I mean, it was, it was our one chance, wasn't it? You know, that game. Um, we didn't score. um Probably we should have scored. I think he should have. I think he should have got it. But you know how much the goalkeeper. Um, made himself uh, into, uh, in, in, you know, spread himself well enough, and how much Tyler should better Tyler should have done. I don't know. You, you get fractions of seconds. I know that's what they're paid to do, Neil. Um, and it, <laughs> but it, it was it was a turning point of the game. That was our moment. I think Birmingham had a chance. They put a ball across a little bit earlier. Yeah, they, actually, they put the they goal,
4: put a ball they? box, and uh, I think it was Hogan. Did it hit his knee or? Something got or other, from
3: him. yeah, got away from him. We, um,
4: you know, Jake Cooper did very well not to turn it into his own net, didn't he? I think, I think, he, well, we
3: dodged a bullet there. I thought because uh, you know, on, on another day, that was that would have been a fairly straightforward opportunity. Um, so maybe I don't know these things, either. there. I don't fully, do yeah, but how there, often
4: but... is it that you can think back of a game last night hmm. and you recall the only two chances? Yeah. <laughs> and they were the only two real yeah. fans. I, yeah, but I saw online this morning that they didn't have a shot on target and we had three. I'm struggling to think of the other two, but well, obviously... Well, I
3: think the other two, I think the other two what they put on the YouTube, but you wouldn't you wouldn't notice them in real time. I think Billy had a go from just outside the penalty area that had no power. It, it,
4: it, yeah. It, 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 yeah and the goal King, thing got taken. Yeah.
3: yeah, um, there was that. Um, the other one I can't think of. If there was another one, then it wouldn't have had much venom in it and you wouldn't have taken any notice of it. Whether they class, they class moments like that, I think, as shots. If it's on target, it's a shot, the ball's heading on, on, on the goal, it's a shot on target. But I mean, there was a, it was a 90 90 plus minutes of very little. Um, and I suppose if you're gonna play, did we play badly or was that a Gary Ram at masterclass in in blocking out a decent side at a tough place. Rainy night in Birmingham as well, Neil. The conditions didn't help us up there. So, the
4: me of the game we played up there during lockdown. I think it was, a, was it a Saturday in winter? And there was no crowd there and it was swirling and... Yeah. It reminds me so much of that game. It, it's one of those places where I think I've I, I went up there oh, a few years ago now, and I saw our first win up there since the sixties. Right, I think it was a one nil on the night match, and uh, we don't ever seem to get is. One of those grounds where we just don't get anything out of, generally, do we? I know we got something late last season, didn't we? It's
3: not an enjoyable trip, is it? It's—I I mean, maybe for those that are there for the race, it's,
2: it's not enjoyable.
3: Thing. Now, no, it's never a trip that I look forward to. i, I didn't go to it last night. I Hats off, incidentally, whilst I think of it, near to the 500 that did make it up there after a t- weekend to then go up to the uh, M1 to Bram for a, a Wednesday night is mean, um very very creditable and i take my hat off to to everyone that did it um but no it was it was it was a tough match i mean also i want to point uh the, the poor refereeing i mean we've we've um knocked his um his inability to let the game flow but well i mean there was almost like well wwe wrestling going on every corner i mean it was like a rugby match at times and he let that go when it was playing in front of him um I know you probably have to tolerate a certain amount,
4: but blimey! Yeah, we should actually have started singing "Swing Low, Sweet Chariot" instead of that one. one
3: uh... Jay Cooper was was had had a kind of like a like like a scrummage going on there, and and um, no, no, um, you know, no, no cards, no, no, nothing. It was just uh, poor.
1: Yeah, what
4: frustrates is that he let everything go, yet somebody will do something. On Saturday, that will be totally innocuous. <laughs> and yeah. the reference points to the penalty spot. I, <laughs> yeah, but I think, yeah, but I think that you reap what you sow. I think that Jake Cooper indulges in the dark arts, doesn't he? And well, Bail, whenever we do, yeah. so it just there's no. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there was no consistency, and it doesn't help when you've got the likes of that Hannibal. And Chung and one or two other players that they had, they were just they were just rolling around for the sheer fun of it, weren't they? If they got touched and... Yeah, for a supposed half-man and midfield from Manchester United, I remember seeing him play, I think, for Man United last season. He came on against Liverpool. I think he got booked after about five seconds for flying through the back of someone. He I just can't doesn't see him at that
3: level, Neil. I can't, you know, he he looks he he looked like a poor championship player last night. That Premier League you know United Liverpool. I wouldn't I wouldn't put him in that I kind of category.
4: According to Batesy, I don't know what the yellow card would be for. He can't tackle, can't do anything. So.
3: <laughs> he showed us nothing last night. I've picked a few a few comments from the uh, from Twitter last night just to run 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 us uh, along. Uh block ten CBL says he can't believe there's there are fans actually happy with that performance. How uh, did QPR go and get beat there? Um I I I don't know if I can agree with that, um, block ten, because I, I think it was a good result and poor poor watch. I mean it's tough, it was a tough view. I, I'm not gonna sit here and say Neil that we were enthralled watching it, but I, I'm going around in circles, like I said already, about it being a good result but a bad watch. You know, it's, it was, um, I think we just dealt with a, a difficult night and it was never going to be spectacular. I think Gary Rowett said that in his post match. So um, I didn't think it was a poor performance, did you? I, I, I can't really pin that on it. It just wasn't
4: exciting. I, yeah, but I'll tell you what doesn't help is, is when you watch it and I didn't understand why half the ground was uh was got uh, problems they've
3: got stadium problems they
4: they got uh... yeah. yeah yeah well they had all of those tarpaulins and no seats and apparently they've got asbestos and basically underneath the yeah. stands turned into some kind of dumping ground that there's all <laughs> kinds of grounds rotting and falling apart Um, (laughs) yeah, well, that just summed up the game, really, didn't it? That we had to go to
3: the um, ownership, or whether they still have ownership issues, or they they clearly have a failure of maintenance. Because, as you say, I mean, it's really striking when you watch it. The the whole lower tier of the side opposite the cameras is tarpaulin. There quite large stretches of the stadium that were, yeah,
4: yeah, and behind Um, the goal. So I had a look online and they were the local newspaper showed underneath the stands and uh yeah, apparently right on this, but yeah but that just sums up <laughs> yeah that just summed up the evening really didn't well, it <laughs> it
3: felt like you're playing it felt like one of the um the lockdown games actually because for that reason we all tarpaulined off in that way. Yeah,
4: there was more atmosphere on the moon, I thought, than in that ground. But... <laughs>
3: There we are. I mean, just striking. We'll come back to the subject of ownership and chairman. And, and I don't know enough about Birmingham situation to really comment. But clearly that's been a stadium that has not been um, looked after as it should be for many, many years. But I'm going to leave that there because I don't know enough about their back backstory.
4: Yeah, well, I think ever since the Dildo brothers moved out yeah. and moved to the Olympic Stadium. So, yeah. No,
3: it's it's um it's it's gone to pot, That's for sure. Um, I've got one here from Stan. He says, Stan LDN. He says that should have been three points. That's on for Bury putting his ego before the team. I think that's a bit harsh. Um, you want forwards to be selfish, but not stupid. i mean, you If we had a proper captain, he gets a bollocking for that. Um, I don't know. I mean, you want a striker that wants to have a go, and he should have scored, but um. Selfish, not stupid, I don't know. I mean, most strikers would have had a go there, Neil, I think. I, I, I think it's harsh to say that's a, an ego thing. You want you to strike that as a go, and scores a couple, don't you? You can't, can't have it both ways.
4: It's one-half dozen of another, isn't it? I think that you'll never agree fully with yeah. everybody, yeah? I'm um, mm-hmm. of the mind you could have rolled it in. There are other people that or uh, of the mind that he did the right thing. There's no right and there's no wrong. It's an opinion. It's like an yeah. arsehole. Not one, of them That's they? right.
3: We've all got one. Um, if it goes in the net, then that, that was the correct thing to do. So, you know, that, there is.
4: So, you can't coat him for it. And it's just one of those things. Next week, he might roll it across. A vocal slammer might put it into yeah. bloody you R- never
3: know. no, that's right. It, you never know. Um, one more, one more, because I think we've made our point. Um, Dan Wall, a win at home is a must on Saturday after those last two away games. Uh, fair play to anyone going to the last two games because he says it hasn't been good enough. Um, I do agree. We're going to, if we are going to make a a run at the top six now, it's going to be built on home form. We do seem to struggle away from away from the den, and last night was. Better than Saturday, that's that's for sure. I and mean, it's not setting a very high level, but, um, yeah, but we can't it's going to be built at the den, isn't it, if we are going to get into the top six?
4: Yeah, but we can't rely on home form alone. I think I think we need a dose of reality here. and that We do need to pick up some results away from home. A draw on the scheme of things last night wouldn't have been so bad if we hadn't have failed to turn up at Uddersfield. Yeah, and then you'd be thinking, Yeah, okay, you are probably not the best performance in the world. But if we'd have nicked yeah. to one at Huddersfield, uh it wouldn't have quite have been so bad. But but when you go to places like Huddersfield and you don't turn up and you don't perform and it just increases the pressure. I saw I think I think Henshaw uh yeah. put a thing yeah this yeah. morning, that we've got the second-worst away record in the division. I think only Rotherham have got a worse away record.
3: Yeah, I saw something. Um, I think it was Jack Clark. Put a, it was an away league table, purely pure on away games. I think we're second from bottom of the away league table, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, contrasting with the real league table, where we're sitting in ninth, just two points off of sixth spot, which is what we're chasing so no, away form is remains um, remains a problem. Um, I suppose you're going to need a striker. I mean, whether these, these cost money, don't they? Know that strikers that give them one chance, they take their one chance. A phobia is out injured at the moment. Um, he's probably the closest we've got to that kind of striker, but even he's not that reliable, is he? So you know, I think that's where we will struggle, possibly fall short over unless we change it in in uh, in January. It remains to be seen what. What level of investment the club are able to do in, in the window when it comes?
4: I don't think he's going to put the future of the club at stake. But I think you no. mentioned last week, or Harry mentioned last week, we've got to go for it. What does that mean? Uh, does that mean you spend 5 million, 10 million that you haven't really got? And then if you don't make it, what happens? Do you end up then? Gambling on selling Fleming for more than that, and uh, yeah, yeah, I, I don't, don't know, see. I, I, I don't see us doing that level. I mean, well, I'm also a good striker away from having from what we need, but those things they don't grow on trees. And uh the way the Premier League is this year, you can't really see anybody loaning you one. No. So you look in the lower divisions for one, and is there one in the lower divisions and and what do you do? I, I see there was a, a clamour for Bury to be sent out on loan in January. One or oh, two don't people. Buy that.
3: Don't buy yeah? it. Yeah? I, I think Feel he's making bad. an impact
4: at that level. I'm that on Hoff this morning, and, and I don't agree with that because, what you, because then what do you do? What do you end up with? Do you end up with another Luke Freeman who comes in and plays yeah. 15? and gets injured. We need to strengthen, but but do we have the kind of money to really, really strengthen? This division, I think there's, what, 10, 12 points between the the top six and the bottom three or something like that. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah,
3: Watford's on 29 in sixth spot at the moment, 29 points, and Wigan Athletic are in the third uh, bottom uh, spot on 19 points. So you're right, 10 points separate. The promotion from the relegation zone, um, which well, you say, speak,
4: you're thinking we're not a bad team, we just can't perform away from home. And uh, and would you rather be a solid team in the championship, or would you rather be a solid team in League One? Yeah,
3: well, that's that's a that's that's a no brainer, isn't it? I mean, uh, you know,
4: nobody, nobody's at the minute, we are a solid championship team. And are we we getting a bit carried away with ourselves? I think we are getting a bit carried away with ourselves. We win four games and we start thinking we're we're the Manchester City of the Championship. (laughs) (laughs) We start dreaming of uh, of the Premier League. And when in reality, I don't think we're between probably about the fifth and eighth best team in this division. Do you agree? Or am I? Oh, no, 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 I, I think you're right. I mean, I think,
3: I think, um, I think you're, you're, of course you're right. I mean, you know, the January transfer window, we, we will never play at the level of investment required to generate a real, um, you know, a striker that's going to really change it, unless we're going to find one from abroad, a bit like what we've done with Fleming and to some yeah. level with Vogel Summer. Yeah. Um, cool. But, you yeah, know, a five million pound striker, which would be a huge investment by mill standard, massive money, you know, and may may start to um, rock the rock the good ship mill wall to a point where, you know, it starts to ship water. We don't want that. Um, but equally, five million pounds doesn't buy you a, a, a terribly impressive player in the modern game. It's, it's sad, but true. So I, I, I think you're right. Um as far as getting carried away is concerned, yeah, I mean, I, I think you know we we had a good se- sequence of wins. It is in the mill blood to get a bit carried away. It's why we it is why we follow the club. It's things are either um, the depths of despair or the, uh, the you know the, the heights of ecstasy. So you know, I, I think there's a it's it, following football should be about the excitement and the buzz. We've had a couple of poor. Um, well, poor performance at Huddersfield, a better one last night, but not particularly exciting. A lot will depend on on how much energy and Vim we can bring to the table Saturday against Hull City, who are also down near the, the bottom three. Um I I here's my thing on the, the reality check because you, you're making good points, um Neil. Um I think the reality is, as we've said, and it's it's I don't want to make this into a cliche, but this is a division where, you know, 10 points separates the the, the success from the failure. So although that has a bad quality in the sense that, oh, this is a, what's that expression? The bang average league, bang average. It also means that we have every chance of being near the the, the action come May. I, I think there's no reason why if we continue to grind away and it won't always be pretty, I right, accept that but there's no reason why we can't be near the top six, whether we get there or not it's going to be another matter but I think that the very averageness of this league means that we have as much chance as will anyone else and we probably would have had for some time because there are no standout sides, so um, yeah, much to
4: much remains to be This league is littered with teams that have gone for it Yeah, they've spent money that they can't afford and yep. then they end up paying for it. Uh, yeah, lobby cards on the table. I'd rather we didn't go for it. We're still in the championship for the next two or three years, as opposed to going for it, failing. And then we struggle. <coughs> yeah, Fleet, F-
3: Fleetwood or Forest Green Rovers, aren't we? And not in that
4: scenario. If, if, uh, if it don't work, it, yeah. Strange old one. <laughs> Do you organically, oh God, I sound like a. Uh, um, you've gone you've got woke. You've got new
3: age and woke on me. Yeah, is... you yeah,
4: organically grow? And uh, I don't know. It, it, yeah, but it's one that's conflicted because we are a good striker away from being a really good team. But but they don't grow on trees and they no, cost an awful lot of money.
3: And no, I don't. I don't. Well, big game Saturday. I think I think we've probably explored last night's um, result. I think we've done quite well with that game last night because in the immediate aftermath, I must admit, I thought to myself, I don't know how long I can uh, talk to Neil today. <laughs> we've done quite well. We sit ninth, listeners, as uh, as we'll close this section of the show. Just two points behind Watford in six, uh, 27, and they're on 29. So um, next up, whole city this coming Saturday. We're gonna take a short break and we'll just come back after the adverts just to discuss a couple of items that I've picked up on, the, on in and around the mill scene. So I'll be right back after these messages.
1: Hello listeners, Mike Hayden here after that nil-nil draw at St Andrews. Um, This will be a short voice note. Um, Abysmal first half, um, conditions look pretty poor up there. Um, Yeah, pretty much a a rugby match in some respects. Um, Not helped by the referee constantly blowing up for the smallest little niggles. Um, But yeah, there wasn't really anything to report, I, I can't even remember... I think, you know, maybe a couple of shots off target. Um, but Birmingham seemingly um, playing a bit like an away side, trying to catch us on the break a bit when we had more of the ball. Um, but uh, yeah, nothing really to report in that first half. Second half opened up a little bit. I think we went for it a bit more. Um, but I think the problem is, is that, um, you know, our, our kind of tactic at the moment going forward a lot of the time is, is very direct in nature. Um, and when a team can deal... With that, um, we we struggle to create chances. Um, you know, I, I don't think Cooper really won a header all day in in the opposition's half, um, and I think that that basically hampered our chances um, as we had that sort of one dimensional way of going forward. Um, but I mean, the gilt edge chance, of course, was was Bury's. Um, that was that's the difference. Sometimes when you get few chances away from home, uh, you take that. Um and we'd have won that one nil easily, um because I think defensively we were very sound. I mean, um they didn't they didn't do a lot going forward. Birmingham, um I mean Buery did so well to you know skip away from that defender and then in on goal. But you know, I I mean someone said it was difficult to square, it. uh but I mean, surely if you get your head up there, it was a tap in for Vogelslager, um and uh, that was really the gilt edge chance I think. When we missed that chance, I just knew it was going to be nil-nil. Um, so, yeah, it was it was disappointing because I thought we were the better side in the second half. Um, you know, we had a few kind of chances. We knocked the ball around quite nicely. But, yeah, just I suppose didn't create enough chances to win the game, um, which was a shame. Um, so, yeah, um, pretty drab away performance. Um, you know, clean sheet and nil-nil, um, not the end of the world. Um, But I think, you know, we need to get back to winning ways on on Saturday against Hull, uh, who have recently announced a new manager, which is never good. But anyway, we'll we'll see. Um, But yeah, fingers crossed for three points on Saturday. Come on, you Lions.
3: Achtung, Achtung, Christmas is a coming, dear listeners. And to quote Richard Chaplow, 26 appearances, nine sub, one goal. As he once said, you cannot beat a good board game. And we've got a good board game for you here. Achtung has teamed up with a tremendous football trivial pursuit style game called Pundit. You can follow Pundit at Pundit Games on Twitter. And it's a really nice little game, actually. It's a board game. It consists of football trivia questions, easy and hard. Some of the hard ones are very, very hard. And you move along a football pitch to score goals against your opponent... It will suit the football head in your life, dear listeners. Great way to pass a Christmas afternoon. You can get a 10% discount if you visit PunditGames.co.uk. That's P-U-N-D-I-T-G-A-M-E-S. PunditGames.co.uk. get a 10% discount at checkout with the code LIONS in capital letters. LIONS, capital letters. And every sale will benefit the Lions Food Hub. Um, What a better way to pass your Christmas than to enjoy a good football trivia game and to know you're doing good at the same time. So get on it, punditgames.co.uk. Welcome back to the show, listeners. Um, Neil, a very strange little story that um, I saw the other day. Um, Sunderland have agreed with the EFL that they're in a, they're able to ban um, vapes and coins uh, in the away sections only at the Stadium of Lights. Um They've had some incidents. Uh, I'm going to guess stuff being chucked on the pitch um, from the away sections, but they're not banning it for the home fans, which is interesting. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of questions get raised on on the um, the, the the human rights questions of for football fans banning such everyday items as coins vapes you could talk about that um you know uh whether they're potentially missiles or not i don't know but coins you you need them to spend (laughs) money i don't know you get on if you're not allowed to have coins in your pocket it's it's a it's a it's a a sign of the what's the word the i don't want to use the word authoritarian attitude but the, the the idea that football fans are some kind of um of other species that you can treat how you like, and it, it fits in with that agenda. I and I don't like to say that because I am not a conspiracy theorist, but it's it's um, it's part of this uh, general kind of treatment of football fans as second class citizens. Almost, it strikes me.
4: Yeah, it yeah, but it's mad, isn't it? Yeah, we only have to switch on the news and see what these stop oil and uh, extinction rebellion zealots going in and around London and they can almost act with impunity and do as they like. But if you're a football fan, you can't carry two pound coins into a football ground without oh. being, you can't, you've know, you know, got to be honest. I think last week I went shopping last Friday and, uh, it's the first time I've actually physically used cash because... Yeah, no, same I, here. I mean, I had some coins every day. What, what are you going to do with these? Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah.
4: Yeah, and it's the first time I've, I've actually used paying coins in a long time, and that was in because I went to Aldi and you need them for the trolleys, don't you? Shopping <laughs> <the> trolley. <laughs> so I try so So I don't really take coins or notes out with me anymore it's just one of those things where you pay for it on your phone you pay for it with your
3: card, card or phone yeah that's how it's done there isn't it?
4: It, but yeah. but it just seems to me uh, i don't know it's a step too far isn't it it's uh it's big brother i think in any other walk of life
1: yeah if you
4: a cinema, and you were told right, you can't take a vape pen. And yeah, well, I guess they can be used as missiles. They're about a pen size, and you can—I should imagine—you could get
5: There's quite a lot of
4: things. You can
3: you can use as of- missiles. There's a million and one things if you if you want to. I mean, I, I, I. I, I You know, I'll I'll lay my cards on the table. I mean, you're right. I mean, coins are a fading, like newspaper newspapers are a fading thing of the past. But they they still exist. They're still legal tender. You're still entitled to have them as you walk along the road leading up to the stadium and light. But what you can't do, apparently, is take them into the football ground. Um, The vapes don't bother me because I don't smoke. But, you know, it's a principle here, isn't it? That if these things are legally purchasable outside, which they are, then to ban them for one specific section of the ground just seems draconian to me. And it also always comes back to this this principle that you punish the majority for the actions of the minority, which um there's something that seems very um very unfair, deeply unfair about yeah there's a media um, before-
4: to something major. I think. That somebody yeah. somewhere he doesn't understand football yeah well i don't smoke I, the chances of me carrying a coin if i can buy a program and buy a pie and a mm. whatever uh, with the with a contactless payment i'm probably going to do it
3: i mean it's worth knowing listeners i'm reading this out because we play Sunderland um just before the world cup break ends we've got the away fixture on on world cup final don't we Twelve thirty 30 kickoff in Sunderland so if you are going to get yourself along to the game don't expect to take your coins or your vapes in there um, because they they'll want them off you um principles behind it I it's a whole debate on that on that front and you find yourself um you know very quickly going into uh into debates that are are quite deep to be honest but there's if you if you tolerate this as a song says this and they tolerate this you you'll be next or children be next this is this these these things are bit by bit taking away basic everyday things, freedoms, if you want, that we take for granted. So um anyway, there we are. They're probably entitled to do it legally because so many of these things often are. Um Sunderland banned vapes and coins. So just bear that in mind if you're gonna go up there for the away match on uh December the
4: third, I think it is.
2: You know
4: um, what's good, you? Somebody's gonna try and take something off somebody going into the ground. And be yeah, yeah, there's going to be a kerfuffle and somebody's going to pick up a banning order for, for something that's easily avoidable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah, No, it, 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 it creates a situation.
4: Yeah. Well, I do think some of it is to do with some of it will be to do because they want to create confrontation. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and they're picking on the right set of fans to to create confrontation aren't they we're not backwards and coming forwards no and hardly no 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 well, i don't no. think any other walker society uh people would be up in arms over this but because it's affecting football fans we're just seen as the soft target, aren't we? And it, it, well,
3: it us be... to a certain image, did not it? I mean, I've seen.
4: I haven't got the articles to hand, listeners. So
3: I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna uh, be able to quote them. But I think someone did a comparison of the Glastonbury Music Festival with uh, an equivalent. Uh, a couple of hundred thousand people go there. But if you take, a, I don't know, a Wembley event, the numbers yeah. of arrests at Glastonbury were quite disproportionately larger than what you might get at um, an average England game or or. Um, you know an average fixture there are some high profile situations where people get off their nuts and, and do stupid things but then that's that's a public order question that you gear up to certain situations they do this all the time they, they judge marches and protests don't they yeah
4: well you look at the Hill carnival where yeah. they where there's a stabbing, yeah, but there's God knows how many stabbings and yeah, muggings
3: um, and whatever, you know, it goes on, doesn't it? And drug dealing and all sorts. Um but it's seen as a as part of part of the risk of running an event of that scale, which in and football has this demonic kind of um quality that um it's a stereotype I think. But there we are we, we, how do we change that? I don't know beyond the scope of this show I'm to change it. But um Worth knowing yeah, going up there, Um Just to close us, Neil. Um, well, I was surprised and struck by uh, an obituary notice that the club put out on the official website um, concerning the the sad passing of um, Peter De Savary, who was relatively briefly chairman in the nine uh, in the two thousand mid two thousand four five ish uh, season, I think it was. Um, a flamboyant character and quite. Quite um, a remarkable person, Neil. Um, I'd missed this. I hadn't seen it at all. It just popped up on the on the on the club website the other day.
4: Yeah, it was. uh, Yeah, I think anybody of my age and maybe your age, you will remember peter de Savery, i think purely because didn't he own lands end and john of groats at one stage and he was into
3: yachting he was he, he came to the uh, fore i think in the 1980s he was like uh he's, he's like one of the business superstars and he was he was, was he was he involved in the america's cup um i can't remember where it was was it the isle of wight or might have been in the caribbean but he was a he he, field field not field, field a yacht team. Do you? You, you you set sail with a yacht team um, to try and win the America's Cup for, for for Great Britain? And that's where he first came to the public attention. Then he became this flamboyant um, entrepreneurial businessman who owned Land's End and John O'Groats at the opposite end of the country. Um, and he was quite a character. He's quite a character.
4: Yeah, who died on a houseboat or something. So, so yeah. I think. He- life but but something that struck me was the adrian wisson uh kit man yeah uh, made a very good point on twitter and he said he actually worked for peter when yeah. he was chairman he drove he yeah he drove him around for his Millwall meetings in his bentley he says yeah. i'm uh, met our current chairman john berylson for the first time during that time so he's so his time at Millwall was for nothing. And I think if Peter de Savary's remembered for one thing, and if he's introduced Millwall to John Berylson, who uh, arguably are one of our best chairmen, I'd, yeah, well, I'd quite like to do a show during the World Cup where we discuss all of our chairmen. Um,
3: yeah, no, that would be a good good idea, yeah. Yeah. Um,
4: and we'll try and rank our chairman. (laughs) Uh, But John Wilson, probably one of our best chairmen, if Peter de Savary has introduced him to Millwall, well then, I think we owe Peter de Savary a huge round of applause on Saturday. And even though he wasn't around for too long, he, he was a Millwall chairman. I do remember him. Do you remember him appearing on the pitch? I think it was a midweek evening game. Yeah, it was a midweek game, yeah. He appeared in a Millwall shirt and gave us this rousing speech. <laughs> he promised
3: the Premier League in five years. Um, this would have been 2005. <laughs> um, Premier League, one of the top 15 clubs in the country we're going to become. Um and I mean, it was it was high comedy, uh, and it, it, it went down a storm one on night. And it, I mean, when when Peter de Savery first came to the club, this was in the aftermath of Theo Pathetis, the uh, which was one of the great high points. I mean, obviously Theo took us from um, administration to uh, the cup final, and you know, uh, into Europe as a consequence of that. So that was quite a storyline. And Theo had a season where he was. He wanted to get away from the den, and he was wasn't um, he was wasn't chairman officially, but he was chairman in reality. We had that strange one month period where Jeff Burnage was was chairman, and then I think Theo basically um, pulled the the plug on on that um, experiment, shall we say? And Peter the Savory came to us um, with a reputation for being a property developer, so initially. Um, and I was just saying this off air to Neil before we started recording. Initially, there was a wave of fear as to what this meant for for the club because the two thousand five two thousand five six season, which is when he arrived, was very tumultuous. We were we were kind of spinning. um, We had manager upon manager. We had, I think we finished up about five or six managers that season. And Peter de Savery came in as chairman with this. Um, He'd made his money. Um, developing marinas and the land's end and John O'Groats thing, um, and I think there was just a real fear, a fear of the unknown. I think looking back at it, that um, he would be a developer who would look to move us away from the den and build on it. I mean, you know, the, these these conversations never go away, really, do they? <laughs> um, but certainly there was a fear. That yeah, that's
4: what he was going to do? Yeah, he had a hotel down this way,
3: yeah,
4: as well somewhere in devon and i think he took the players down
3: that's right for
4: yeah one of those activity hotels not one of those ha- activity hotels no
3: no but... it was like a, a team building no. that kind of thing it was where you, you, you did some um, yeah. I don't know cross-country stuff and things you know
4: yeah and bowls indoor bowls and i think there were badminton courts and uh, all kinds of things going on yeah well, i think it was a strange time in club history i think we had that graham Lacey ferguson knocking around at the same time didn't we well graham ferguson Lacey, who
3: was like another villain figure i mean i just want to say to listeners because i i, I when peter the savary first um came to the club I must admit I regarded him as a as a as a villain, you know, as a, or a possible villain, because I didn't no one really knew what his intentions might be for a club, the club.
4: A ruler um, as they say on the price of football.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, as I look back at it now, Neil, I mean I I think you know, both in sports generally, I mean I include rugby and I include football and I include cricket to some level there are some real villains, <laughs> some people with, you know, that have really decided to, uh, use sport as a, as a, as a money-making venture. And I, I think looking back now, Peter de Savary looks quite an innocent character <laughs> compared with what we've seen across, um, across football, certainly top level football ever since. And he, he looks quite a, quite quite a, quite a, quite a mild figure looking, looking back at it. But at the time, um, I think we were all very fearful and, uh, Graham Ferguson Lacey, who became a shareholder, was linked to Peter de Savary because he was the person who bought um, Land's End from Peter. Uh, because he, he was one of these um, entrepreneurs that would achieve heights and then crash down, you know, and I think he went through a phase in the, in the 1990s where Land's End became a, a loss-making um, thing and he, he, he had to sell up and he sold it to Graham Ferguson Lacey. He was another very... Um, very odd character but another show for him I think um but yeah I mean I, I just wanted to say on this show rest in peace Peter the Savory because although um I regarded you as a villain when I first I actually met him I remember sitting in the chairman's room so I put, uh, in my in my impetuous youth I'd, I'd put some leaflets together and I was handing getting people hand out leaflets protesting at the you know no 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 sale of the den and all this kind of a thing and um uh, the savory got poor old Ken Brown. Do you remember him? He was chief exec. Ken Brown came out to try and find me and got me to come into the meet the savory at um in the chairman's room. Um a very strange experience. I'll tell everyone about that another day. But um
4: food and drink like that you got
3: up there, Nick. I didn't get any food. <laughs> he he was he was in he, i think he saw me as some kind of um i don't know what i was like like one like a like, like a militant or some sort you know someone was gonna upset the apple cart i'm far from a million 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 militant um and but anyway he was one thing two things really struck me one was he had a a, a, a vague west country bird to his voice which i didn't expect i think he came from gloucester or somewhere like that and he had a bit of a a, a, a bird to the voice so he um, I wasn't expecting to, to, to hear that. I don't know why that made an impression on me. Um, he had monogrammed cuffs. He had PDS on his cuffs. As it, and he was reading, read, tell, making me sit there to read his personal statement that was put in the program. And as he was reading, he was pointing at the words. Like, you know, like when you're kind of like reading like that, you know, where you, you're on When you're Neil, where you put you, <laughs> your finger across the line. Those are very strange, strange things that still live with me even to this day. I thought it really <laughs> odd. Um, but there we are. Um, Peter de Savary, he's only with us for about a season, then he became a shareholder, and John Barrowson, thankfully, took over, and um, long may that continue. Um, just want to close with a, a, there's a quote from P, Peter de Savary um, from uh, Wikipedia. He's talking about his extravagance. He was known for music, for, for spending money. And he he quoted Andrew Carnegie who said, "Is to his to die rich is to die disgraced." In other words, spend your money because that's what it's for, not for accumulation. Um, quite a character. R.I.P. P.D.S. Peter de Savory. I think we've reached the end of the
4: show, Neil. You have done quite well to get nearly an hour out of this. Eek <laughs> an hour out, you nil-nil know, draw. Somebody dying. You have a panel. on call.
3: <laughs> I thought we'd struggle to get 20 minutes. I mean, if I can get 20 minutes out of this, then I'll, I'll call it call it, call it, it a day there. We're going to close the show with a couple of voicemails. John Rankin. Well done, John Rankin, for going up to the uh, St Andrews last night and Michael Avery. Huge thank you for coming from your sick bed today. Neil Fish, good to have you back, mate.
4: Yeah, no, uh, yeah, but it keeps you in touch, doesn't it? It keeps you alive. And uh, yeah, but it means you're not just watching YouTube feeling miserable. There we are.
3: What, what better, what better um, advertisement for the show can there be than that? It stops you from looking at banal YouTube recordings. Big thank you, Neil. Thank you to you too, listeners, for for tuning in. We'll be back after the Saturday game. Um, until the next edition of Achtung Millwall, it's uh, from Neil and myself. It's bye for now.
2: Hi Nick, Um, John Rankin here, just calling in with a post-match report the day after um, the 0-0 game up at Birmingham, St Andrews. I don't know if you're going to use this, uh, but we got in very late last night, so I was unable to leave a a voicemail message for you. Yeah, so listen, you know, it looked probably a bit dreadful on the TV, um, but at the ground itself, it was quite a good result really. I mean, Birmingham are just having a little uptick in form. Um, They beat QPR before this game and I was quite happy with our performance, really. Defensively, we looked a lot better than against Huddersfield. Um, Our back four played well and, of course, it's a slightly weakened back four as well. We've got... Uh, no Sean Hutchinson in that lineup, and the back four kept its shape, played quite well. Danny Mac had a better game than he had against Huddersfield. He, he was out of position quite a bit against Huddersfield. Um, the referee for the match yesterday, we got absolutely nothing out of him. He was... A poor referee, actually. He was every time a Birmingham City player went down, he was blowing his whistle and giving him a free kick. Not the case for us, I'm afraid. We had a clear penalty against um, for Vogel Summer and Jake Cooper was just being fouled constantly by two or three people. And we need to work on that, I think because against Sheffield last year we were able to protect him a little bit to let him go up to get a header. Uh, But in this game he had two or three guys around him just barging him and putting him down and he hit the deck at one point. So something to work on there. I thought overall everyone played well, the midfield played well. Uh, Vogel Semmer in his new position in the middle of the park. You know, there's potential there. Zian Fleming and a quiet game. He did a couple of things, um, but I think you know. There's still he's still kind of finding his feet on exactly where to where to play. I think to be honest, Rowett needs to settle things down now and start trying to pick the same type of players um, each week so that they learn how to play just a little bit more fluidly um, in the in, in the last sort of part of the the uh, the pitch really. But overall, it was a good performance. Tyler Bury, um created a lovely chance. You know, he's so quick and alert. And it's such a shame that he took a couple of touches before he took his, got his shot off. Um, but we were certain that that was going to be a goal. And he just delayed it a little bit. And uh, that would have been a lovely um, icing on the cake. Because it was that kind of match where, to be honest, it, was only, ever, it only ever looked like it had one goal in it. Um, and I think the first team that scored would have would have would have won that game. So overall, a much better performance away from home than against Huddersfield. Um, it was a long old trip up to St Andrews. The, the weather and the traffic was really poor, but we got there in the end and we got back. And you know, it was a it was a gritty, solid performance, and I think a very valuable point away from home. So. On to Hull on on Saturday. Come on, you Lions.
5: Well, dear listener, so this is my voice note, and you could probably tell from the background noise I'm enjoying the British weather. Um, Last night's game, what can we make of it? In truth, not a lot, really. I'm recording this the next day because I didn't know what to say last night. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't. It wasn't exactly exciting. I mean, Gary Rowett, that's probably his type of game. No, I, I, I jest, but it, it was very much as sort of job done. You want to go away and not lose. Yeah, you maybe want to win, but you don't want to lose. So it's the old cliche, you know, if you're at the top of the table or near the top of the table, which we are, um, in and around those playoffs, you want to get positive results. So uh, away draws... Um, and home wins is what you want. So now we need to back this up with a good performance on Saturday. Uh, Positives to take is a clean sheet away um, at a place up until recently over the last few years um, we've always struggled at. Uh, Birmingham have always been uh, historically a team who's always tended to do well against us so a clean sheet's always good. Uh, Billy Mitchell had another good game as he did. The defence wasn't overly tested from what I made. You know, There's a few sort of like half chances here and there but nothing really that the keepers had to do um, and uh, we came close with a shot at the end a lot of people saying that uh, it could have been squared if I sat in later on but it could have been squared but I personally think the shot might have been a better idea obviously those camera angles on the red button aren't necessarily the best uh, so we don't know if the pass was on or not it's very easy to sit on our armchairs indoors uh, like I did, and, uh, and criticise um, when you can't see the correct angles. But fair play to those who travelled away. Uh, you know, the St Andrews, <laughs> it seemed a bit flat last night, atmosphere wise, around the ground. Uh, all you could hear on the TV was Millwall. And to be fair, the commentators even did their best to try and get something in the game, you know, talking about the fans, that no one likes us chanting, and all that. So, uh, positives to take again. We didn't lose. Uh, we've got the draw. and roll on to whole city. How many lines? Achtung,
0: Millwall